the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show. And as we're seeing playing out uh, at the state level in places like Wyoming in particular, Georgia to some extent, what happens at the federal level redounds to the state level and can involve the local Republican parties there. You've seen the Wyoming Republican Party Central Liz Cheney. You've seen some uh, county parties in central Illinois uh, censure Adam Kinzinger, both for the same reason, voting to impeach Trump in the House. Uh, and uh, you see uh, battles going on at the local level throughout the states that were in controversy with respect to the administration of their elections. And that certainly includes Arizona and the move to uh, audit the Maricopa County election results from November 3rd. For more on this, as an Arizonan and somebody who's recently written about it, giving us some historical perspective on uh, Arizona, which doesn't have uh, as much political history as many of our other states, pleased to be joined by John Gabriel, editor-in-chief at ricochet.com and contributor to azcentral.com as well. John, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Oh, great to be on. Well, I was particularly interested in your piece in The Examiner, uh, Racing Hell in Arizona, where you gave a little bit of perspective on you know, sometimes this red-blue binary isn't doesn't quite capture the political culture at the local level, and and you uh, give us some context uh, for Arizona as um, a place of four contrarians and a place really informed in 2021 by um, the last uh, 30 years of sort of McCain machine dominance that is now giving way to perhaps a bit of a warlordocracy. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing. I, I think when the national news uh, gets its uh, um, teeth into a story, uh, it tends to say, okay, this side is good, this side is bad, and let's all usually hate the Republicans. Um, and uh, the story is always more complicated when you get to the local level. Um, in Arizona, you just had a situation where the McCain machine really dominated um, Arizona for a long long time. Um, it included not only the senator himself, but a powerful collection of uh, political operatives and uh, donors here in the state. And it was something, if you wanted to succeed as a Republican, you never would ever oppose this uh, group of people, uh, because you pretty much would not have a uh, political career after it. And so there was just this whole movement of grassroots conservatives and Republicans who were always uh, trying to get in the door and were told no constantly. And after 30 years, that gets angrier and angrier. And uh, with uh, Senator's passing a couple of years ago, uh, the McKean machine was no longer there. And so you no longer had that counterweight, basically, in the party. Um, so people are like, okay, now we're in charge and we're going to censure his wife and um, some of his allies, basically, too. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of um, inter-party strife going on that uh, doesn't get mentioned in the stories about the Arizona GOP. 
Well, the, 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 from an outsider's perspective, Doug Ducey, the governor there, seems like maybe he's a bit of a uh, a, a bridge to uh, both camps, if you will. Um, that uh, you know, he's a conservative. He won re-election easily, even when there were Senate elections that were going down. Uh, enjoyed a, a good percentage of support from Latino families. I, I think in part because of the advances of school choice there in Arizona. And, right. but also had some, some ties to sort of the establishment, the older establishment of the Republican Party there, which isn't all that old in, in context. Uh, but, but, but it, it, it didn't, it doesn't seem like he is the sort of, um, figure that can bring everybody together after all. Yeah, it's, uh, been strange. Uh, the past, uh, well, when he was reelected, um, it was just a complete landslide blowout, really. Um, uh, he, you know, had a uh, Democrat running against him who the local media supported, of course, but it was just a blowout. It wasn't even close when he was reelected because he's done, he's one of the few figures who didn't really pick a side. He comes from the business world. And he was, for those who don't know, the CEO of Cold Stone Creamery, which is based here in Arizona. Right. And um, he got into office. Um, he has strong conservative instincts. And he just wanted to get things done, and he will bring anyone on board to to help get things done. And he got along well with um, all the McKean side and the grassroots side as well. Um, he actually, while President Trump was in office, you know, certain people were demanding he denounce him. He would do rallies with them. He's just like, look, I'm working with everybody here. We just need to fix some problems. And um, uh, it, but, let's, uh, John, let's hold it there. And when we come back, yeah. I, yeah, so I, I want to get so then, so then, where are things at now with this audit and with the fight over the state party chairmanship and so forth? Because you know, Arizona is one of those states where the Republican Party needs to sort of get a tack together in preparation for twenty two and twenty four if uh, they're going to be the majority party in this country. More with John Gabriel, editor in chief at Ricochet dot com and contributor to azcentral dot com as well. We'll be right back. The Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to the show. We're speaking with John Gabriel, editor in chief at ricochet.com, contributor to azcentral.com, talking uh, about Arizona politics at present. And John, before the break, you were just sort of giving us uh, the lay of the land with respect to Governor Ducey. It seemed that's an obvious place to start, a popular governor just reelected in a landslide, as you were describing. And yet, um, where is everybody with the audit of Maricopa uh, Maricopa County's election results and what exactly Arizona Republicans plan to do to change, if at all, the administration of their elections in 22 and and, and beyond? Well, there's a big push for better election security and auditing, so that's good. Um, I don't think anyone of good faith would have a problem with that. We always need uh, more strength with that. With the Arizona election, there is a bit of political opportunism going on because the main concern in Arizona was mail-in voting, but we've actually had that for a few decades now, and it's been very effective and strongly supported by both parties, not only the party machines, but voters from all walks of life really like it because it's kind of there's very little um, chance of really stealing an election with how they do it. It's very open, working on bipartisan, you know, observers all over the place, basically. But now, you know, I think some people are just wanting to, uh, 
answer any questions that people still might have. So they're doing these audits and trying to get records from various county boards and the like. They're going overboard with it. I don't think there's really a reason to do this, but they're just kind of prolonging this fight. You know, I'm fine with doing audits for the next couple of months, but they really got to give this up and say, okay, it's a terrible thing, you know, for state Republicans. Joe Biden won barely by about 10,000 votes. Maybe we can audit it one more time and say, okay, we don't like the outcome, but it is what it is. Now let's move forward and actually unite the party and get people from our party elected. seems to me, though, the problem that Arizona has perception-wise, and maybe this is, again, just an outsider's perspective, is it was unusual for Arizona to take days and days to uh, move the needle in terms of getting a final vote tally. It was one. The problem was, of course, Arizona being called so early by Fox and that set people's hair aflame. But I mean, in terms of Arizona itself getting the final result, that did seem to take a unusual period of time, as was the case in some of these other states. Why is this taking so long to get a final count? Yeah, that's something they really need to improve. Just uh, speed up the vote as well. A big reason for that is just it was so close. You look at a state like California, I still don't know if they finished California. Yeah, right. November, <laughs> right. Uh, but it's such a blowout, you don't even pay attention to it. Um, so that was odd. And Fox's call, it was just far too early. I talked to people on both sides um, within the state, and the most progressive reporters and operatives were saying, I can't believe they called it this early. This doesn't make any sense. So I guess it was just like a gut feeling they had, but that's not enough to report on these things. Florida has been fantastic after kind of the um, very uh, tricky battle in 2000 in that state, and they've just been fantastic with it. I think a lot of states, whether you're red or blue, should be adopting their model. Just you really need to get these uh, decisions quickly. People are just going to doubt it. I don't blame people for doubting it. It just looks it looks tricky, especially when we've known that elections have been stolen in the past. And, and so with respect to Arizona, and, and maybe uh, use this as a jumping off point to make a more general comment, uh, you know, I, just speaking for myself, I get a little exhausted where every five minutes, uh, two people who have a disagreement are in a battle for the soul of the party. And sometimes it's just a personality conflict or it's on a particular issue, whatever. It's not something existential in scope. But uh, there's been talk of that there with sort of like the Kelly Ward versus the establishment faction. And there's talk of that in, in other states as well with you know Trump supporters who are not too keen with what Brian Kemp and, his, and, and obviously Raffensperger did in Georgia, even though Brian Kemp has been a pretty damn good governor. Give me your sort of handle on the battle for the soul of the party line that we hear repeated constantly. Yeah, uh, one thing, and I think sides will come together. We've had a couple of big uh, Senate losses. We haven't had two Democrat senators here since like the 1950s. So it's really strange, and I'm just hoping people on any side of the party will, okay, let's work together, and we don't agree on everything, but we agree on most things, and we definitely agree that uh, we don't want Democrats running our lives, especially with midterms coming up soon. So I, I think people in the base, just all over, whatever part of the state you live in, are just tired of the fighting. And, and I know there's a lot of frustration kind of lashing out against past frustrations with the McKean machine. But, okay, that's gone. And uh, why don't we actually uh, find ways to get government the heck out of our lives? Because, you know, I think 95 percent of Republicans agree with that. Um, and uh, also, don't forget that we should pay some attention to uh, what Joe Biden is doing in the White House, even as the press corps dutifully tries to ignore as much of it as they can. And uh, you uh, penned a piece uh, 
that uh, perhaps um, some Sunday morning cartoons could uh, help to uh, recalibrate our understanding of how this uh, these three co-equal branches of government are supposed to operate in this country. Yeah, all I could think of was uh, actually when I until I was six, I lived in uh, Chicagoland, and uh, I learned um, a great amount of political science by the time I was six by watching Schoolhouse Rock and I'm Just a Bill. And uh, I, I wish uh, Dr. Jill would sit uh, Joe in front of the TV <laughs> on Saturday morning, maybe with a bowl of cereal, and he could learn how it's supposed to work. Then it goes to the House, and it's approved by the House, and then the Senate, and then it goes to him for a signature. And the problem with it, too, is don't even look at the crazy things that he's doing with Green New Deal and all these job-killing initiatives that he's just uh, using the pen, not even a phone for, just the pen for. (laughs) All these could be quickly reversed. And he came into office reversing what Trump did, and Trump reversed what Obama did, and Obama reversed what George W. Bush did. Congress is just letting this happen. You know, both parties in Congress, uh, they have the power to take this power back. They're the ones who are supposed to be making laws and working with the White House and having leverage over him. But instead, it's just this kind of back and forth tit for tats, like the Keystone XL pipeline, which uh, Joe decided to just um, arbitrarily end. There's a lot of jobs on the line here. A lot of people are going to lose their jobs. And these are a lot of people who supported him, union jobs that he just decided to kill uh, to kind of pay off his environmental donors. Um, So I I just wish we would get back to the basics. We already have a policy to make good laws, and that is through the the House and the Senate. And um, all this uh, signing everything in the White House, um, you know, if if there's two more executive orders signed in the next week, he will have beaten the all-time record for the most executive orders in the first month, which was set by FDR. Uh, well, after he learns about a bill on Capitol Hill, maybe he can learn about uh, articles of speech, too. He can go right over to Conjunction Junction. What's your function? How about that? John Gabriel, editor-in-chief at ricochet.com, contributor to azcentral.com as well. John, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Podcast of the show at danproftshow.com.